Hey, what's good, Levels listeners? This is Chris. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Three Keys Coffee. Three Keys Coffee is a multi-sensory craft coffee roastery. Each of their jazz-inspired roasts has a corresponding playlist beautifully curated for you to vibe with at any time of the day. My current favorite roasts are the Brazil Bossa Nova, which has a heavy body dark roast profile. And I just love that 33 and the third, which I love saying that has a semi-floral and light roast aroma. You can order these roasts as well as others in whole bean, medium grind, or a coarse grind option. Uh, also, what I love about this company is their approachability. And what I mean by that is for someone who has been drinking coffee since maybe half their life, I love and enjoy it. I don't know that much about coffee and I didn't feel like I had to be like a coffee aficionado to uh, partake in their product. Um, the coffee, the playlist, the vibrant packaging design, they all evoke this feeling of being present in those initial recording sessions of some of the jazz artists featured in the playlist, which you need to check out that 33 and the third playlist is lit. You can find the playlist, order coffee, gift cards, and merchandise at threekeyscoffee.com. Spelled out, that looks like T-H-R-E-E-K-E-Y-S-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. You could also check them out on Instagram and they are at three keys coffee and that is all spelled out. Let's jump into the show. Hey, hey guys, this is Vru. Um, before we get started with this episode, just wanted to mention that um, this episode was actually pre-recorded over a week ago. And um, since then, uh, there's been some uh, unfortunate, um, unfortunate trending events. Manru is referring to uh, the police shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, as well as uh, subsequent um, shootings of uh, protesters um, in Kenosha. Um, in addition to here recently, the, the death of Chadwick Bozeman, which is uh, def- definitely very impactful. But... Um, out of respect for our guests who we, you know, we uh, sat down with, uh, we want to continue with that show and we want to give these topics a little more, um, uh, a little more focus than, you know, the 20 minutes that we could give it. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and keep going with this show and, um, maybe talk about these items in the, in the next episode, which we'll hopefully get to you very soon. Thanks. Ready? Let's get it. I had to lace up my boots even harder. Father is too far away to the father. Furthermore, are the kids either smoke reefer or either move white? There's a few writers in my cipher, so they made it lighter. My type of dreams seem dumb. They said, wise up. How many guys you see making it from here? The world don't like us. Is that not clear? All right, but I'm different. I can't base what I'm going to do or be off what everybody isn't. Mm. They don't listen 
just whispering behind my back, no vision, lack of ambition, so whack. That's all I can give you. Man, you throwing softballs over here on this one. <laughs> <laughs> throwing them softballs on your boy. <laughs> Welcome back. This is uh, this is Jay Z, and for uh, extra points is uh, so ambitious. You got it, brother. Hey, you got it. You got it. Hold on, <laughs> we're gonna get the music queued up. Oh man, I was. It's funny. I was just listening to this song like a couple days ago, which is crazy. Like I had it. Like I, I, I kind of go in some like weird phases. I thought you, I've mentioned this song before, and I thought you actually never heard it before. No, this song, no, no, for sure. I definitely heard this song before. On the West Side Highway, top down, baby. Good jam. Telling me what I could not be. Oh, well. You got it right, brother. Good job. Good job. For sure, for sure. But um, no, I think like no, I th- I do remember you. We were talking about this song, but I don't remember. I guess the context of the conversation. But um, well, uh, I picked I at the time. I picked the song just because of uh one of the the, the segments we're going to be talking about, or the people that we're going to be talking about in one of the sec- se- um segments. Um, but I just thought. It would be cool to play that. I, I love that song. Um, you know, what I got out of that, that lyric that I read to you is basically um, sometimes when you have a vision, you have a dream, you want to do something. Mm, um, right. A lot of people aren't going to see that. They're not going to um, be on the same page. And what are you saying is like, you know, I can't base what I want to do off of what everybody isn't. Um, right. So, exactly. No, I, I love that. Jay-Z, so ambitious. You got it right. Good job, Rue. Get you a hey. couple of dings. Levels up. Hey. Hello, Levels listeners. Um, what's up? What's up, y'all? If y'all are just now rocking with us, um, welcome to the show. Our podcast is called Levels. Uh, Rue and I are both entrepreneurs slash business owners. Um, we try to explore business and entrepreneurship viewed through the lens of culture um and it's been tough to do that with uh everything that's been going on with the uh, the pandemic right. um right but anything anyway things are somewhat getting back to i don't even want to say normal but uh, it's like a new norm bro a new norm but anyways yeah. my name is chris ward um in some some corners of the world they know me as crocdat that is <laughs> my, my my aka that i came up with but uh <laughs> And we got my homie. Uh, um, and my name, my name is uh, uh, Rudolph, a.k.a. Um, uh, Agent Rudy G, a.k.a. Rue. And uh, I'll leave leave the, all the other a.k.a.s out, out there. <laughs> How you been? But, uh, What's good? I'm What's good, man. You? I'm good, man. Just uh, I've been uh, I've been been pretty good. I, I've actually been getting back into uh a somewhat of a routine to get active and, and getting, getting back into physical uh, condition. Uh, Cause I, I mean, I was going hard. I was going hard before pandemic, like it's pre pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm more of a gym, like weight room guy. Um, and you know, for a month, two months, maybe even longer than that, like gyms closed down and I still feel like kind of sketchy even going to the gym to be honest with you. Uh, so I haven't been since, um, since March, man. So it's been a long time and uh, I just got super lazy. 
But uh, long story short, uh, my pick the past few weeks, I've been uh, pick, picking things up. My, my one of my neighbors has a he has like a full on gym in his garage now. Nice. Ever since uh, quarantine, so I've been uh, going to his place and just uh, been been working out. And man, this morning I went. He actually got me up and running, bro. And not I. For, you don't run. You're running, not a running. You're not I'm running. I'm not a runner whatsoever, bro. I I I can't stand it. Anyone who knows me, like I I'd rather do anything than run. Um, and he, he used to be cross country. Um, like that's his, he was his past, past, uh, sport of mm. choice. And, uh, so he, he doesn't mind it. And he got me out there, bro. And it's, 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 it's hot out here in Texas. Let me just say that <laughs> your boy, your boy was, your boy was out there like ready, ready to be done. I was Sweat. through, man. I was through. I was like, no, take me right now. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. I throw it in the towel, bro. But uh, but it's good, like because uh, I, I feel I always feel feel good when I'm um, uh, being active. Um, most most people do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, 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 that's been the biggest biggest change uh, here here as of as of late. Um, yeah. Everything else is going going good. Business is going well. Um, uh, things are going well on the home front with the relationship and uh, the, the the new puppy. Um, mm-hmm. Really, with new puppy, man, like it's always like a new adventure every freaking week. I swear every um, so time this, I talk to you, you, you tell me something <laughs> about that dog, like it's a kid, <laughs> bro. It's, it's it's crazy, bro. So like this, I guess this week, um, it's been uh, the the new adventure has been her her teeth. She she lost I think four or five teeth this week, mm. um, and she so she's just like she's just over here gumming everything. Just she's yeah. not barely even eating because the food's too hard for her. She's not like chewing on her bones. She's just kind of being lazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's it, been like the new things, just making sure she's not swallowing her teeth. Well, she probably swallowed a few, but that's whatever. But yeah, man, that's what we're being like the fur parents, and that's <laughs> that's kind of a new new norm for us right now. But overall, it's been uh, it's been pretty good, man. It's been a handful, but it's been good. It was funny when we were preparing for the show yesterday, and <laughs> Em was in the background, kind of heard her faintly, and she was like, yeah, and it's just like. They treat that dog like it's a kid. Like they treat that dog better than some parents treat their dang kids. I'm not mad at you. I'm just I like teasing you about it. Duh, I feel that. Like 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 I can't even imagine, bro. Like I mean, we don't have kids yet, but I can't imagine like how how things are going to be uh, at that point in time. Yeah, it's, it's good practice. It's be next level. It's good. Practice. That's what I've been hearing. It's good practice. That's, that's kind of why it happened. So I guess we'll see. Right. Well, yeah, how, about, how about you? How's, there, how's everything going on the, the crack dad home front? Oh, man, things have been very, very chaotic. Um, just with a lot of just a lot of moving parts that I really don't even want to get into. because mm. We don't have the time. Um, <laughs> I, but overall, doing well. Uh, had a sick kiddo on my hands. Mm. Uh, she's doing well now. Um I, yeah, it's never like, like 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 now out of any time in our life like being sick is just like you're on extra precaution right now exactly exactly um yeah man uh just trying to get some some things taken care of business is somewhat picking up ish not really mm-hmm. um you know for anyone who is uh i guess a new listener and has not listened to any of our past episodes uh, I work and I, I run a commercial construction business as well as a residential. 
Uh, residential side was more me trying to figure out the market. So it was like, uh, let me test this thing out, which we've done some stuff and held back just because of COVID. Um, commercial side of death definitely been affected because we work in a lot of spaces where um, businesses are kind of shutting down or, or, or uh, scaling back or, you know, they're not expanding. There's not a whole lot of movement, but things are slowly picking up. Um, I was kind of looking at the numbers. Uh, like we were definitely going to probably double uh, what we did last year pre-COVID. Um, uh, and I think, you know, this is kind of my goal this year is to at least hit what we hit last year in terms of revenue. Um, mm. And we're not that far away from it. So um, just kind of having that as a reference point is, a, you know, makes things somewhat okay. But yeah, um, it's business has been some, my business has definitely been affected by what's going on. And, um, but actually I'm fine with that. I mean, this is kind of um, part of it, right? This is part of the process right. of, uh, of, of going into business for yourself and uh, being an entrepreneur, which I'm, you know, I've, if you've been listening, I've been coming to terms with that, that, uh, that word. More and more, baby. Um, but yeah. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna mention, I don't know if it's too early, but you're gonna, you're gonna mention the, um, the new venture? Not yet. So, okay, um, okay. and that's why All I right. think I'm coming, I, I, I'm okay with saying it, but, um, I've always just kind of enjoyed building things and mm. it's, I enjoy building companies. Um, and I'm learning a lot, um, about running a business and building businesses just by the act of doing it. Um, and this one is, uh, it'll be somewhat good. I'm not looking at it as this thing. A lot of times we look at, I think people look at businesses, they look at like, Hey, this is going to be my ticket out type of situation. Mm. Um, I'm looking at this business as spe specifically as supplemental, like, um, you know, supplemental income where I'm not necessarily, uh, taking income from the, from the company. Uh, but the cool thing, and I think we need to actually do something. We need to talk about this and I'll share it real quickly. But one of the cool things about having a business, having an LLC is, um, you know, depending on the expenses and the type of business that you have, um, you can benefit from that as a business owner. And so I'm trying to give like an example, um, let's just say like I had a cleaning business. Um, mm -hmm. well, I, I, part of my expenses are cleaning expenses or cleaning, uh, supplies or whatever. Um, you could certainly purchase those with the business and, I have cleaning supplies for your house and that's right. an expense that you didn't have to pay for out of your pocket. And when you're paying for things out of your pocket, that is money left over after paying taxes. Whereas exactly. your business is paying for something, um, uh, pre-tax. So, uh, that's much longer conversation. Um, but yeah, no, I'm just, I'm definitely loving, uh, and learning about just building businesses and uh, figuring out how to figuring out how to do that successfully. Um, That's the and, goal, bro. You know, I'm feeling pretty good about all that. So, I guess um, 
jumping into our, I think this show is going to be, we're going to try to make it slow or uh, shorter because um, we have a conversation with uh, a special guest by the name of Paul. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time, ta- whole, excuse me, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about various subjects, uh, which we, we did have on the docket. Um, but our, we want to discuss uh, this video that uh, Pharrell Williams Man. Uh, released. It's uh, titled so Entrepreneur. Um, and real quick, like I think that dropped on Thursday. Um, so the song is good, but I think it's more of a visual piece. Hundred um, uh, percent. So honestly, is, right, go ahead. No, I was just gonna kind of give the uh, the talk up about it. Uh, okay. So it's featuring Jay Z. Uh, the so- the song itself uh, coincides with uh, Pharrell being a guest editor uh, on Time Magazine, and the title of that that uh, piece that he wrote is called "The New American Revolution." which uh, the publication describes as a series of conversations and essays about creating more equitable future for black Americans. And that's reported by the LA times. Um, If you, I would highly recommend reading his essay. It was, I think a quick, maybe less than 10 minute, 12 minute read Um, in that essay, just to kind of give some context, he talks about, um, you know, there's this period where, uh, the shores of Virginia, which is where he, he came from, where uh, a, a ship short, a ship showed up on the shores of Virginia uh, with 106 men. And you talked about it in a sense like a business sense um, where it was like, a, I believe a, uh, gosh, uh, not a London-based company, kind of almost like a startup coming over and they didn't come over for the whole, like, you know, what we know is, you know, America being built for life, liberty and justice for all is more like trying to expand business. Um, mm. And so it's cool when you read that piece and you watch slash listen, watch and listen to the music. Um, it's kind of this, 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 um, or at least what I got from it was America, the whole idea of it is you know, the, the, the life, liberty, pursuit and justice for all. And we do know, um, as black men and black folks, people of color, uh, that is not exactly always true for us. And, um, we don't necessarily have the same opportunities as, as, as everyone. And I think that was somewhat the goal of the video for, for real. And the song was to somewhat highlight, uh, black creator creators and entrepreneurs, um, and, and, and just giving them some, some shine. So, yeah, some spotlights. Um, no, I, I really enjoy the video and the more that I actually listen to the lyrics, I'm like, okay, this is, this is dope. Um, what do you, yeah. what do you got on that? Man. So I thought it was a powerful video all around. Um, and I think I mentioned to you before that the video itself was, uh, um, I mean, honestly, I feel like you should win video of the year. Just mm. kind of like how um, this is America, mm. like just me and everyone, everyone fell in love with that video and everything about it. I feel like this one is just so much, so much more behind it, like the meaning, meaning mm. to this. I feel like it made the song just that much, 
that much more. It, it elevated the song, to be honest with you, because initially, I mean, it's, it's, it's a catchy song, but it's not. I feel like it just if it wasn't for the video, it wouldn't be like, yeah, man, this song is powerful, it's not, it's, you know? Yeah, it's definitely not like top 40 radio right you know? right right um, right but but the video itself man it's like honestly it's, it's phenomenal i i was I, I mean as a business owner and as a black man in america i was truly inspired yeah by, by seeing the by seeing that video like i mean just honestly just the, all the different uh um types of people like women men uh, of color um doing these doing these you know uh significant yeah. things all across the world. It wasn't even just here in the States, people in Japan, London, all over the world. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. The video. So the video itself, it, it features some known and unknown entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, this array is in it. Tyler creator, uh, Idris Sandu. Uh, there's some known folks. There's some unknown folks. And what's, what happens is as the, as you hear the music, um, you're seeing, uh, clips of yeah, some visuals. Uh, visuals of uh, black entrepreneurs and then there's caption underneath uh, at the bottom just kind of explaining like okay this person uh, did this um, for instance like Pharrell I, I grew up just loving Pharrell um, oh yeah and Monster. he's one of my you know I just I just love the dude I love everything about him and uh, he kind of made it cool to just be yourself uh, mm. for me personally and he had this song uh you can do it too and oh, so they yeah. made mention of that like you know you can do it too and so like tyler creator who is you know he cited pharrell as one of his influences and it kind of lists like all these things that tyler creator you know has accomplished <laughs> at a very long age you know in terms of like business itself and just some you know accolades um, because of because of pharrell yeah and, and that was yeah. like a a a, pow a powerful moment um some other kind of moments of note for me um like the nipsey hustle uh moment the silence. Of silence oh yeah, yeah. that um, was good because they that didn't, was good they didn't list him you know most people know him as a rapper uh, right and it was they like, didn't list him as a rapper yeah, specifically yeah, which was awesome list him as an entrepreneur which i view him as that um, he's kind of like a multi half a hyphenated um, yeah, you know, rapper, entrepreneur, philanthropist. Um, there's this moment with Issa Rae where she, you know, they talked about the caption kind of reads her. Um, she's coming into, so the visual is she's like walking into a, a building that's like uh, obviously under construction. And, yeah, like just, just being renovated. Yeah, and I, they don't tell you what it is, but it seems like it's her, like probably a production office. And mm -hmm. it talked about how she started basically creating videos and make uh, and content on, on, on YouTube online. And, yeah. Just and, real low budget stuff. Yeah. And then it turned into what she is doing now with, um, what is the name of the show? I'm going to get kicked in the face because man, I, the show. I know, um, um, I know exactly. I know it's, it's on the tip of my tongue. I feel like I'm gonna think about it after the fact. Um, what is the name of that show? Insecure. Insecure. Thank you. Please. Yeah. Don't at me. Don't be mad at me. Internet <laughs> people. Um, yeah. I love in, the season four is really good. But yeah, it, you know, and she's doing that and filming a lot of that stuff inside at, in the, places, the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where she started. Same place where she started. Right. Yeah, which yeah. is awesome. 
Um, another kind of meaningful moment for me was uh, towards the end. There's a Broadway 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 star. Uh, oh, his yeah. name is Robert Hartwell, and he is dancing. This is awesome. He's dancing kind of in this um, contemporary like Broadway, yeah, Broadway, contemporary way, uh, ballet-ish. Uh, on this lawn in front of a house, and then you see the caption, and it's big house, by the way. Yeah, massive. Um, it used to be. It used to be a plantation home that his ancestors, uh, I guess, originated from. And I remember reading the story. Uh, he 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 was interested in it, and I believe like the the listing agent, you know, was like, <laughs> "Oh, this is four hundred thousand dollars cash," and cash only <laughs> yeah. and he bought it um and, but, and it, it, but the the thing that was i guess that really stood out to me about that portion it was like this man is like dancing uh joyfully if you will yes yes on the same premises where his family came where they were probably beaten killed and raped you know mm. like that that juxtaposition like just mm. really was like oh that is awesome um right, right. That was that was that was probably the most powerful thing on, like on there for me as well. Uh, I mean, just just seeing that, and then I you know you can't. I had to look up the lyrics because most of the Pharrell sings in this like kind of Marvin Gaye facado, um, <laughs> and, which I still love. But it's some yeah. of the parts he's whispering, um, and we're we're kind of quickly running out on time. But I will say, like Jay Z's verse. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that was, there was a couple of gems in there, man. Uh, I got it pulled up. He says, uh, the lies, lies told you through YouTubes and Hulus shows with no hues that mm. look like you do. So basically saying you're, you're getting told lies by these shows with people who don't even look like you black Twitter. What's that? When Jack gets paid, do you? So mm. Jack is the owner of uh, Twitter, CEO of mm-hmm. Twitter, um, and and you know the thing that I know mostly about Twitter is like Black Twitter, like it's the right. thing. You know what I mean? Uh, for every one Gucci, support two Fubus, like, mm. that, and that kind of goes back to um, that whole conversation of like you know support. You know how do you support companies? And he's saying like you know for every uh, non-black or non-person of color company like support two fubus which you know that was started by ll cool j damon johnson um so damon john yeah um and then he says sipping cripacola consumer and the owner uh till we vertically integrate it from the floor up so the cool thing about that that line it's a kind of rare reference because in that show with killer mike uh trigger warnings one mm-hmm. of the episodes he got the blood and the crips to be create their own coffee or not co- their own, not their own coffee, but their own cola called Cripacola mm. that they could kind of sell and make money off of. And so like he's referencing that, <laughs> like That's I'm the consumer crazy. and the owner. Um, mm. So there's just like a lot of stuff that, you know, as a, a, a young black man, I'm not so young anymore like you, Rue. Uh, oh, my <laughs> oh my goodness. But uh, as an entrepreneur, it, it yeah. just like stood out to me. And, and it's so cool because I think a lot of these uh, themes um, we've been having conversations about on the show and just offline. Um, oh, offline, yeah, it's been powerful, man. Like, just I mean, just just like what you brought up in, in the lyrics, it's like seeing seeing these and and actually 
you know, seeing firsthand these people that we we know and some people that we don't even know, yeah. um, doing these things and 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 uh, overcoming, you know, their situations is is man. It's like I said, it was just yeah. powerful. It was all around powerful. Yeah. Uh, there's this last part about this last portion of Jay Z's lyrics that they weren't even that poignant. There's no like um, no punchline or anything, but it just really like resonated with me he says black mm, nation black builder which i'm a black builder black entrepreneur you're in the presence of black excellence and i'm mm. on the board and i'm on the board lord 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 <laughs> man like, that just uh, that black builder and black excellence i'm on the board like man it just that stuff sp- stood out to me and i think we this is why i think you know me personally why you know, we put a lot of work into this and, um, you know, time and effort and energy. And, you know, um, one of the reasons and kind of motivators for me personally is um, just the whole idea of like, you can do it too. And having mm-hmm. um, folks that look like you and I, Rue, um, and just being out there in the world and and showing maybe some of the younger kids who are thinking about, maybe one day, you know, owning a business. And, and it's not just about that, but just wanting to grow and aspire to a higher place. Um, it's important that we have represent, representation out in the space. Like there are in different areas out there doing right. stuff. And that's what that video showed for me. And it was inspiring for me just to see like a, a bunch of black faces, men and women who are, um, know doing different things and 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 making a living and you know participating in this whole thing that we call america you know and that's (laughs) kind of part of the american dream right is ownership Um, right so um that was a i would highly uh recommend you guys check that video out Um, a few times a few times it's about five and a half minutes um you know maybe cue in on the video itself and then just really try to check out the lyrics, but yeah, I would check that out. Um, so we don't have any more segments. Um, we are going to jump into our conversation, uh, with, uh, Paulina, Paulina. and I'm going to let Rube go ahead and do that introduction. All right, guys. So last week we, we, uh, asked the question, why now? And, uh, we actually have a guest here today, um, to, to help us get, get to an answer to that uh, exact question. Uh, and um, her name is Paulina Artieta, and she wants to share with you guys the importance of serving on boards, especially as a person of color. Um, her organization that she's an executive director of is called the, the New Philanthropist. Um, it's an organization that works to create more racially diverse and inclusive uh, nonprofit boards here in Austin. Um, and we are fired up. We, we had a long conversation with her um, already uh, pre-show, and uh, we're fired up to have her on this show. And uh, but what's up, Paulina? How are you? Hey Yay. guys. What's up, <laughs> what up? What up? It's good to see y'all. Oh you yeah. Actually. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, <laughs> I feel like it's it's kind of crazy nowadays with the uh, everything uh everything going on. But um, how's things going in your parts of the world? It's going good. I mean, 2020 has been something else, right? But uh, but yeah, no, I mean. Work has been busy as ever, especially in, in my field, like you were mentioning. So mm. it's been good. Mm. It's been good. 
That's good. Well, that's that's always good to hear. Before we get into that, we have uh, we have a few intro questions that we like to we like to just kind of. <laughs> Uh, ask our uh, um, uh, our interviewees and also um, trying to let let loose, kind of let your hair down type questions. So, okay. uh, <laughs> I'm laughing because first, this is Rue's like favorite question. Oh, yeah. Oh, Actually, it's one of two. One of two. One of two. One of two. I think you yeah. should ask both of them, but go ahead, Rue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will. I will. <laughs> so first question, um, since you do live here in Austin, um, do you prefer E6, West 6, or Dirty 6? Oh, my God. I totally know this question because you do always ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with East. Hey. Ooh, hey, hey. I think everybody <laughs> has picked E6. So why? I think so, too. Yeah, why, why East? Well, I've had the fortune of going to college in Austin. So I think I've experienced each of those different three different areas, like specifically specifically at different points in my life. So mm. I think when you kind of do full circle on Sixth Street <laughs> and you go through the whole like dirty and then you go into like the whole West, you always got to go back to East because that's where the heart is. In my yeah. Opinion. Yeah. I like that mm. answer. Mm. I, li- I like that a lot. I mean, it makes sense though. I feel like it's a, it, each, each part of six is like a different part of your life. Yeah. For me, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I have great stories in each one of those. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we all we all do we all do for sure um so my my second like chris was mentioning my second favorite Rue question, loves this question it's, uh, it's a good I, question I, I do i do love it um is uh tell us who you were in high school like were you oh, were you one of like the cool kids <laughs> were you like the nerd were you a jock like who who were who is paulina in oh, high man. school you know, you should ask other people this question because they will tell you way more. Like they, everybody had a different perception of me. I feel like I was the social butterfly in terms of I got along with everybody. Mm. You know, when it came, and it probably was because some of the kids I grew up with from elementary. So even though we weren't in the same social circle, we still said hi to each other and everything. But then there's others that may be like, "Oh, she was totally a chola." Oh, <laughs> and then the really? rest of us, like she was a complete, um, you know, like uh, and she was the smart one. You know, I was into honor society. I was into every type of club, and then of course I was always about being carefree and laughing. So I don't know if I even fit a mold now. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So do you feel like um, that that part of your your, your life? either affected affected like directly or indirectly affected how you are right now or is it not i mean you're just not even that type of person anymore oh no absolutely it did it had a big impact in my life in terms of me being able to navigate i would say different Mm. social groups Mm. um being able to relate to people whether it was about i don't know the tennis team or you know um Mm. the spanish club it was just, uh, it was a place where I felt like you got to learn some some social skills, some real social social skills in your life. So yeah. mm. definitely kind of been a thread throughout my life. I like that. Now that's a little, it's an interesting, uh, interesting mix there going from uh, 
honor society. She said uh, chola. She <laughs> said uh, tennis <laughs> tennis club. Like that's 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 complete different spectrums right there. I feel like that's yeah. awesome. That's so awesome. I, which I think that that your question, the question and answer, kind of perfectly goes into like our next question, um, which is you know just giving our listeners kind of a you know sample of who you are like can you briefly tell us like your origin story you know like where you came from you know where you are now and kind of what you're doing sure so born in ecuador uh came to the states specifically austin when i was five years old Um, all i knew how to say was hi (laughs) (laughs) so you can just tell how many conversations i had at that age (laughs) very limited um, but, you know, I went on to graduate from UT. I went to Pflugerville High School as well here in, in Pflugerville. And I, I was able to graduate with a degree in advertising, specifically like the creative sequence there, and went into advertising. I mean, I right out of college, I went straight up to Chicago. I did not waste any time. Shy town. Shy town. And I loved it. I think I went at the best time in my life. Like, it was like, Work hard, play hard, my 20s. Mm. So, um, no, I, I pursued my career there. And, you know, my goal was to become a creative director, to do all these campaigns in life and work with all these amazing clients. And I got to do a lot of that. But, you know, about after eight years, I re- decided to return home to Austin and worked with a couple agencies. And that's when I went into being my own self-contractor. Um, so I was just doing my creative work and I was able to pick and choose who I wanted to work with as a self-contractor because in agencies, you know, you're just put into whatever client you're able to gain right. or whatever. Um, and that's when I was really working a lot more with nonprofits because I really liked the work I was doing there and mm-hmm. helping them with their marketing initiatives. And that was here or in Chicago? No, here in Austin. Okay. In Chicago, I was able really to work with a lot of multicultural markets uh i was working with an all african-american agency at one point where Mm. they had hired me to do more of the hispanic side of work they were going to do but that didn't go through so they're like well do you want to stay i'm like yeah why not so Mm -hmm. um so yeah i was able to to really kind of hone in on uh specific targets uh i'm going to go with underrepresented targets Mm. um a lot of my work was centered around fighting stereotypes and making sure that messaging and everything was very relevant and compelling and true to that community, you know, we were talking to. Mm. Um, but then after 15 years, honestly, it's a hard business. You get burnt out, especially as a creative. Um, and I left, I was like, I'm done. And I went into the tech world. So somehow I was able to transform all those skills into, um, and to be in a design thinking coach at IBM. Mm. Awesome. I, I definitely enjoyed that. I did that for about three years. So and you use then, your creative side to, to, yeah. to get, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I, I knew I needed to pivot somewhere and I was like, man, how do I do this? Because honestly, with 15 years of this, yeah, doing it on my own was cool, but I was really ready to kind of completely switch, you know, paths. Mm. And I had that at the time, well, IBM, and I was able to use all of the skill sets uh, in, in terms of me being a brainstormer, a, a creative solution a strategist and so forth at IBM. Um, and then after that, I went on a sabbatical because <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> wanted to like rethink, okay, where That's do awesome. I go next? And, and nonprofit was where it was. Yeah, like I decided to, 
to kind of take on nonprofit work. And that was really something that happened through connections at the right time, at the right moment. So, yeah. Mm, and that's, just, that's what it's all about, to be honest with you. We talk about that a lot. Yeah. And I, yeah. it's funny how you say you kind of have this, um, these myriad of uh, different experiences professionally and it kind of harkens back to how you were in high school. And so that's why we yeah, always right. like asking that question because it's weird. You, you never really understand it, but truly how you are at that time, it kind of plays out in some ways. And so we always ask that question to, or Rue likes to ask that question to our guests and it's kind of cool to see it. it. It's always a connection. <laughs> yeah. Oh, always. Very it's revealing. Yeah. Right, oh, that's right. true. I don't think I've ever been taken through that. So you're right. I mean, because uh, what I realized, I'm sorry, I mean, because y'all, Chris, but real quick, what I realized is that people either become more of who they were in high school or they they try to become the opposite of who they were um, because in spite of, of spite of who they was, who they who they were in high school. So I've realized that just from asking that question a lot. It's pretty interesting. That's a research project right there. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be. It might be. So, um, go ahead, Chris. No, I just want to, um, you know, kind of jump into, you know, what you're doing now and, you know, your current role, um, you know, with the new philanthropist uh, as an executive director, which that is awesome, by the way. Um, oh, yeah, it really is. Tell us a bit about it. Sure. So, you know, the New Philanthropist, um, like like Rudolph mentioned, it's an organization that focuses on making Austin nonprofit boards more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. And we do this in a couple ways. Um, one, we work with leaders of color and giving them access and opportunity to sit on boards. But also, we want to make sure we train them to understand how to na navigate those leadership circles. And by that, I really mean, um, you know, how to have how to, how to have hard discussions around being the only one in the room of color. How to, mm. you know, understand how to have discussions around unconscious bias or race. There's a lot of barriers that keep people of color, and, and this is not isolated to just you know the board members or board culture. Yeah. across all leadership circles. So there's a lot of training there, and and because one of our biggest goals is to make sure no one gets discouraged from serving on boards. Mm. And then on the flip side, we work with nonprofit boards specifically in helping them embark or strengthen their journey into DEI. And DEI is diversity, equity, inclusion. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say specifically journey because no one automatically becomes diverse. Mm. Optically, that might be something that happens, but in terms of a cultural shift or understanding the, the real values behind that, um, that takes transformation and that takes work and commitment. And so when you're looking at statistics that say 84% of nonprofit boards are made up of white uh, or Caucasians, um, and then you see another statistic that says 60% of nonprofit boards serve communities of color, you see the huge gap there. Mm, yeah. um, and so we really aren't there just to be, you know, a recruiting firm of, of board prospects of color. We're here to make like institutional organizational change within nonprofit structures. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it, I mean, it makes sense because of the fact that it's just, just as you mentioned, um, in theory, I mean, you would think just bringing out the idea, I mean, everyone would jump into it and it would be an easy transition, but I mean, it's going to take time for people to make that, 
make that transition and for organizations to make that transition of having um being inclusive in their in their boards so i mean that's that's, that's huge that's real big yeah um paulina with you know 2020 has just been insanely crazy um right. for a multitude of reasons um you know but seemingly with um let's just say i would say this the death of george floyd um mm -hmm. and you know kind of the the ripple effect which that's not the only thing but i think that was the thing that uh s sort of got us in american society to the mindset of like hey uh as business leaders we have to do better and then you saw kind of this movement of um you know big major fortune 500 companies coming out supporting black lives matter and you know yeah. trying to um you know make a stance and do something and some of that stuff and, is and voice their opinions you some of that stuff is you see personally my personal view is you know i look at it like ask the question of their intent. Is it PR or is it someone really wanting to make some change or both? Um, but with all that being said, like what has been kind of your experience in this, in this time, is there sort of an uptick, so to speak, where, you know, you have nonprofit boards are saying like, Hey, we, we need to really take a, a good hard look at this. Or, you know, is it more of the same? Like what, what's your experience with just what's going on currently? I think there's definitely been an uptake, um, but I think what one of the biggest barriers or problems is that people don't understand how, mm. what it takes to really go through a transformation when it comes to uh, becoming, or goes when you go through, and how do I understand how to be anti-racist more, right? Mm. Um, outside of not being racist is a whole separate thing, right? <laughs> but being anti-racist is a very thoughtful, intentional way of being. And uh, because, um, you know, just from from my learnings, you know, the white dominant culture has never been, in a sense, socialized mm. to understand um, how to not be dominant, <laughs> yeah. not be privileged, mm. then, it, then you just don't have anywhere to start, right? So a lot of the, there's been uptake, but a lot of the asks have been like, okay, we're ready to be diverse. Can you send me a list of names mm. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> can you suggest someone for me? And so I have to always be very thoughtful of responding back with, well, tell me more about why you want to be diverse. Yeah. Well, there mm. has to be a why yeah. there can't just be a, an ask of, uh, we need more people of color. Well, why do you feel that way? What, what about that question? That question, when you ask a wrong question, you're going to get a wrong answer. Yeah. That itself is the wrong question, right? So um, I think the right question is like, what, how do we become more diverse? Why is that important to us as an organization? Why do we want those values and what values are we bringing in by being diverse? Yeah. So it's been more of having to help people understand that there's a process to, to transforming into that direction for that cultural shift. To really happen and um some people are not necessarily willing to do the work mm. it has to be an internal journey and there has to be an organizational journey yeah. and you have to be able to pick those two up and know that it's going to be hard there's going to be mess ups there's going to be discomfort but embracing that is going to lead to transformation easily mm. 
you know, you just have to understand that. So I think that that's been a hiccup. Like that's been a hiccup where we have to help people take step a step back and be like, whoa, like not just going to happen. I mean, that's tokenism. It's not going to yeah. happen. That way. Mm. You'll just end up in that same place as an organization two or three years down the road and you'll be nowhere near. Mm. So what are, I mean, have you not naming any names or partners or clients or, or anything like that? Like, but what are some of the, the whys? I mean, that people may say we need, you know, diversity or people of color or a black person. Like, you know, is it like, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I mean, well, I think, I think when they understand who they're serving or who they're not serving and they should be serving in terms of communities and they realize that they're sitting on a board that's predominantly white and probably all male, mm. we have to question, mm. like, how is it that, um, as a governance, because that's what a board is, is, it's definitely a governance of that nonprofit. They are responsible of making sure that everything um, goes in the direction of what that mission is built to be, uh, the values and the vision. But if you have like a, a monolithic group mm. that is serving that organization, then you're not necessarily bringing in um, lived experience, yeah. cultural insights, mm. all these the biggest elements, thing. yeah, that would make that the services that would make the the messaging, everything better for that organization. Mm. So that makes a lot of sense. That makes perfect sense. So what, what comes first? Um, do you, I guess, do you find the entity or organization first that, that wants to, to get a diverse board or do you find the individuals first who want to serve on a board and place them? Like, I guess it's like, it's like almost like what came for a chicken or the egg, but mm -hmm. which comes first in that scenario? Well, you know, when we first started the organization, we were challenged a lot by some nonprofits saying, well, we don't know where to find leaders of color. We don't even know if leaders of color want to serve on boards. Mm. And so we set out to prove them wrong pretty early. We're like, okay, we'll show you. <laughs> and through our recruitment and awareness and all this, at this point in time, we have about 510 leaders of color signed up ready to be wow. on boards. That's awesome. Um, that so that awesome. has like been a jaw dropper for a lot of nonprofits like, oh, and so now that is why they're coming to us like, okay, yes, we want to work with you because we know that you can connect to, to the people we want to connect with in a whole nother way yeah. that we can't. So, um, but honestly, it comes down to finding the why for both of those parties. So if you're interested in board service, there has to be that why, right? Yeah. And the why could be a connection to that community, mm. to services that they offer, um, to how, you know, maybe you were someone that went through those services themselves and like know the value of that, of that organization. And then for the organization, the board itself, it has to, the why has to be because you, we value your opinion as a leader of color. We value your lived experience. We value you and we're making sure that we're going to include you in this. Mm. So again, there has to be a lot of, uh, mind Way, way of thinking shifting on, on one end more than the other. <laughs> no, that makes sense. So, yeah. so w w I guess since you have a, 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 looks like a large database of, um, uh, of people uh, who, who want to serve on the boards, how do you, how do you place them on particular ones? Is it based on what they're looking for? Uh, I guess you almost like, almost like a matchmaker in a sense is like, you're finding what the board's looking for over here. And then you're finding the individuals also looking for maybe something 
uh, similar. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It's, but it's almost like a match.com, mm. gotcha. <laughs> you know, it's like, gotcha. just like the Tinder. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. No, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm just, you know, we've been talking about, we've been talking about nonprofit, uh, organizations and boards and for, you know, maybe some of our listeners who are not familiar with the whole nonprofit board space, can you, you know, give us maybe some examples? Like, what is a uh, what does a nonprofit profit entity look like? What do they do? Mm-hmm. And then, what is, what, the is, board what is the board's role within that entity? Sure. So, a nonprofit organization is a public organization that provides, and, and when we're looking at the exact number, it's like a five hundred one c three. Um, they are an organization that basically there's no, there's no profits for themselves. Everything goes to the community based on either services, programming, um, but it's, it's to help for a cause. It's to help for a certain solution that they need to, they're providing a resource that they're providing Mm -hmm. that one else is right. Um, and there's always, you know, like I would say there's always, sometimes cynicism around it, like nonprofits only exist because, you know, um, our government isn't doing the Mm. right job. Right. Mm. You know, um, and that's been kind of put together also in that frame mind of, of school systems. Like, you know, there wouldn't be an after school program if schools were doing what they had to do correctly in terms of tutoring or, you know, so. Makes sense. Yeah. So, but, so that's, that's normally what a nonprofit is. You know, you're serving the community through uh, programming resources, services in some way. And because they are a public entity, so you're able to fully see where all of their financials go. Everything's open and transparent. Nothing's ever hidden. They have um, a board that governs that that organization. And so that board is really in charge of, it's a, first of all, the board would be made up of people who sit on there voluntarily. So you don't get paid for it. Corporate boards, you do get paid for, just letting you know, but nonprofit boards, you do not get paid for. Mm. Uh, actually, your uh, one of your main functions is to be a fundraiser to help that organization. So your yes. connections and um, your network uh, of people is, is something that's um, that can be valued there. But they oversee the organization's mission, their, their budget, mm. um, and make sure that, you know, ethically, in a sense, they're going in the right direction. Okay. Right. So I would say, honestly, like with, with my experience with boards and just when before I even began this work, to me, boards just seem like a white thing to do, right? <laughs> it wasn't like, I agree I've with never you. been like, yeah, no, I agree with yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I want to sit on a board while I'm, you know, in my profession. Right. Like, that wasn't even an idea that came to me. It wasn't a part of um, my upbringing or anything like that. And that just kind of tells you in a, in a sense, like how that culture has been so siloed and, and what they have put out there for people of color. Like they've never been welcoming, like, Hey guys, come on in, you know, like we definitely want to bring it. It's never been about inclusion. It's never been about, Mm. um, it's been very much more seen as, uh, the wealthy and the connected sit Mm. on board. Mm-hmm. which are predominantly always going to be why, you know? And so it just, it's very, it's been a very intimidating place for anyone to feel like they can go join easily mm-hmm. or have discussions about, or even learn about it. Right. 
you just felt like I don't belong there. I really don't want anything to do with it. So a big part of our, our awareness building is having to kind of build education around that and why the value of, as a person of color, your voice is needed there. Why you need to represent in a sense. Um, and when I say represent, I meant I mean more like bring your lived experience, not represent everyone under mm. your theories, but bring your lived experience into a space where it's needed and it's it should be valued. You should have a, a seat at the table there. Oh, and that, that kind of leads to my next question. And you, you, you touched on it a little bit. You know, why should a person of color or a black person even be interested in joining the board? I mean, what are the, you know, some of the benefits or um, like if I'm as a, and who, and who exactly, I mean, cause you, you mentioned like, Hey, this is kind of, you know, upper class white people, uh, very affluent. Um, my experience is, you know, it's almost kind of like a socialite hour. Um, and right, kind of a, right. a flex, you know, like I'm on this board. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why, why should a person of color, a black person, be even remotely interested in even getting involved in that? You know, what Net space? Sure. So, well, definitely, you know, to me, my number one is that you will, you know, outside of volunteering, and volunteering is amazing and great, but it's definitely a deeper commitment of um, taking on responsibilities on how a community is being served, um, how unrepresented communities are also being looked after by an organization. So I think um, in just knowing that that's the type of impact you have on a board, that is a huge benefit to me. But, you know, outside of that, it's great in terms of connections. Mm -hmm. You know, like you mentioned, there's going to be people from – you know, other companies sitting on boards that you might have wanted to connect in a certain way and you weren't able to before, but now you're sitting in a room, you know, three to four or even more times a year discussing um, different issues. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of opportunities to learn about, learn new skill sets. So fundraising is a big part of being on a board. So having to learn about fundraising, um, you know, how, how you can, there's different committees that come out of boards, like there's event committees and mm. committees and different things. So I think there's new skill sets that you can learn, but like you mentioned, like it's definitely a resume builder, like mm. just kind of showing that you're on boards is something that you put on your resume, you get, you get recognized in terms of the, the different causes that you're helping out. And it just, just builds a lot of personality on a piece of paper that normally, you know, you don't get to show who you are, but it definitely shows that. And I think above all, I just, you know, it's, it's a deeper commitment for you. You know, it's a t- you're volunteering your time, yeah. but I, you can also bring your expertise into that. And I think that's also a great thing. So if you're like a lawyer, yeah. I mean, you're able to bring your expertise as a lawyer onto a board and, and help, you know, kind of navigate certain situations that they have to be, or if you're into marketing or any, any kind of yeah. skills, your, your skills, it's going to be used there. What are, makes sense. What are some of the, you know, prerequisites, so to speak, for someone who is even considering that. Um, and the reason why I ask is, and I know all boards aren't this way, but I know um, some boards is kind of a, it's, it's a pay to play type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, right. uh, or, you know, you mentioned, you, you know, lawyer, doctor, you know, typically those roles are people of like high social status, um, you know, more affluence. Exactly. Like, what are some of the you know, if we, as we look at, you know, trying to or, or looking to make 
your mission to be mostly to diversify that space, um, which, you know, people of color and black folks, they do have the accolades, you know, but um, what are some of the things that that board is going to be looking for that person to have besides, you know, quote unquote, the skills? Right. I really think, you know, this is where we focus on the equity piece in terms of what we do. Um, but normally, um, and this is definitely more of a, I would say, institutional, organizational way of, of being racist. Mm. Uh, it's a pay, it's a play to pay. It's a pay to play sort of game for boards. Mm. So, you know, in order to join a board, you're going to have board dues mm-hmm. and your dues may range anywhere from like $500 to $5,000 checks have mm-hmm. to be written. Right. Um, and, and that's hard. That's really hard in turn and intimidating in terms of how you can join um, a circle of, of support for an organization that doesn't, that you, that, you know, you might not necessarily be able to do that easily. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who can, in my immediate circle, just throw out five grand to be on a board. Mm-hmm. Um, so that itself is something where we're really, you know, trying to work with nonprofits to, to, it's a bylaw, it's a procedure, it's a process that they can easily change as well. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing forces you to be a board that demands $5,000 has to be a board due. Mm-hmm. So there's something that, you know, like a give and get policy is what uh, we kind of, um, have put out there, well, not we, but that's been a norm also as well, where, you know, you can um, fundraise for your board dues instead of having to have that come out of your pocket. But I also feel like you should negotiate those terms, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of, hey, you know, I may not have $5,000, but I can bring in some skill sets that could be in kind and serve as my $5,000. Yeah. Or, you know, I may not have... M- I would say like, you know, monetary currency for you, but I have social currency. I have network currency that is just as valuable or even more um, that's going to open up our donor base even wider. Mm-hmm. So I think there's um, there's interesting ways that we can uh, negotiate, but I think also on, on the flip side for nonprofit boards, we really have to, uh, we're working with them to really break down those barriers that are just holding back people from participating or wanting to be interested and yeah. serving. That's big. So, so um, I wanted to ask uh, for, because you mentioned multiple times, it, like it, 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 it'll take a lot, a lot of time. And I mean, you also went over some, in some cases, it takes uh, some capital as well. Um, how do you know, I guess, I, I mean, use it for, for me, for example, how, how do I, if I want to serve on a board, how do I know um, or is there like a, is there a time commitment that all require, or I guess what, what is, uh, what is the, the, it's like the, the kind of, like, what are some like checklist items? Like, do you have exactly. to be, oh, you, know, exactly. you have to be like, exactly. you know, you need to be, you know, in the, the C, the C-suite at your company, you need to have right. this, you know, like, like what are some of those maybe tangible things that, right. um, might be that required. we can like accomplish. Yeah. Cause I'm actually kind of interested in myself, but right. right. Know, do, I, am I, do I meet the qualifications to begin with? Right. You know, right. That's you exactly do. what I'm looking for. You do. Oh, thank you. Um, everyone. I mean, I'm, this is where we're trying to make it to where you don't have to certain fit a certain mold for this. Right. But I will tell you, so one of the things that we kind of suggest is always to, to one, get to know the organization. Mm. Um, 
start trying to maybe sit on committees versus boards, volunteer versus boards. And I think through that type of exposure, you, you start getting to know the, whether it's uh, the executive director or a board member that participate in a volunteer activity or a committee that they may need um, that's outside of the board and you can fulfill that seat. And then, you know, little by little work yourself into that board. If it's a board that you like an organization you really want to work with mm -hmm. in terms of board service, that would be my suggestion. And there's also, you know, kind of like date them a little bit. Kind of yeah, <laughs> like, you, yeah, know, yeah. Just, you know, feel them out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Get the flowers, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so, also, like all, all nonprofits have their board members on their website, mm -hmm. you know. So, if you go and check out their board members, and there might be somebody you have a connection with, or maybe somebody you just want to kind of talk to based on their experience on boards, that may be a way to do that, too. You know, mm -hmm. like just, uh, reach out to them, connect with them on LinkedIn, and, and do that. And of course, there's us, right? We're gonna. The philanthropist, that's that's why we also here exist to make that uh, more attainable for for people of color, like build that pipeline so you can easily serve on a board and it doesn't become this challenge of, you know, again, being in this awkward position of having to go and, and be that person of color that embraces, you know, all these white board members. Mm. <laughs> that, I mean, it, it, that that kind of goes into what um what you talked about earlier in terms of feeling feeling comfortable because you said a lot of people don't feel comfortable being in, in a lot of these boards because they they might be that the token black guy <laughs> or you know what I mean like oh this, we, we have one one guy who's on the board who's who's not not uh not white yeah. or something like that whatever whatever situation may be but uh in order to in order for I guess from what I'm realizing in order for everyone to situation to go well everyone has to has to be open mm -hmm. um the the new board member and the board they all have to be accepting and uh for it to be like a, a cordial relationship right yeah i mean that's that's in our perfect world but i'll be honest with you like these board, <laughs> board some board members have been in their position for 20 years like this is their legacy their mm -hmm. legacy to be on that board it's not just uh i mean some of these boards have been built in in terms of like you know um, it's been inherited in yeah. that seat has been inherited through their family line. Oh, uh, right. I mean, it's, it's that kind of serious. So, so, you know, change so like, is not, it's always embraced. And, 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 and with, in that situation, like they don't, they don't plan to change because it's like, oh, it's going to be passed down yeah. to, to the kids. just like, it's always been. That's been the biggest, uh, barrier as well that we've identified. Mm. Like, boards work as a referral system. Okay. In, in terms of, oh, we got to fill a seat. Let me talk to my colleague or let me talk to yeah. my friend and they got money and they got, you know, they got these connections. Mm. So it's very much more a referral system of people who know people in that same silo. Right. Mm. So it's more, um, it's like more, more click than more click than it's anything. Definitely more of a click. Some of the older <laughs> boards in Austin for sure. Interesting. The and so kids it, in high uh, school. <laughs> yeah, back to high school. <laughs> that's interesting okay so, so so for you to want to for you to kind of come and tell board well you guys got to change we get first of all referral systems don't ever work when it comes to diversity that's never going to happen right right right, right um right. And, and that itself has to be something that gets taken out it becomes so so, so, so what's the best way to tap into that then what now what's the best way to tap into that 
tap into the referral system? No, 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 like, like nothing, but like those organizations that work off of that kind of system. I mean, that just has to be an, a learning opportunity for them. If they want to be diverse and mm. we're, we're going to ask them, well, how are you recruiting right now? Mm -hmm. It's the referral system. I'm like, well, then you're killing diversity. Mm. It's just, it's never going to happen. Especially if you're asking me for people of color, look, this is the way I feel diversity is lived out. If you're really going to be diverse in an organization, a corporation, whatever, your personal life should be an example and reflection mm. of what you're trying to do at. Which means your personal life should include people from different walks of life, yeah. uh, different communities, That's different good. race and ethnicity. If you can't even exemplify that in your personal life, I'm not going to expect you to do it on a board or in a, you know, C-suite or in anything else. Like yeah. it's just mm. going to be basically a reflection of you. Yeah, that makes sense. So I got a question. Um, let's just say I'm me, Chris. I'm interested in being on the board. Um, we don't have to name one in particular, but uh, my experience just in kind of the corporate space, I've served and helped out in different communities and or committees. And one of the things that I noticed, you know, I am the only, and a lot of times my ideas and thoughts and things are not really heard, you know, like mm. um, how, how is, you know, the, the, the new philanthropists, how are you guys, you know, helping out those would-be leaders kind of navigate through that hole? And is that something that you're having a conversation with uh, the board members who are inquiring about these leaders or is it you're just is it just one sided conversation? Like, can you talk a sure. bit about that? So for sure. I mean, our workshops um, are developed to address those issues because we understand how, again, those are like barriers that will discourage you from serving, right? It's mm. not going to be something you want to go back to. Right. Um, so we have the equity chair workshop and that workshop really kind of helps you not only address on how to have a conversation around that, because that could also be intimidating and, and you don't want to burn bridges, mm. and, you know, all these different elements, but also how to build, um, how to, how to, through allyship, mm. kind to kind of confront that situation on a larger level. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that's felt this way in terms of a person of color on this board. Mm. And this is an issue bigger than just me. Yeah. So how do we change our procedures, our onboarding? How do we change the culture here the culture. to not ever someone feel like that, right? Yeah. So, but that has, like, I always believe there's, there's power in numbers. So that means they, you may have to have outside conversations and meetups with some board members that totally agree with you. Mm that are, are willing to work, to come together with you to address it on a, on a like louder level to either the board chair or the executive director. Yeah. So something's done. And that's good. Um, that's like really good value just in any kind of space where you are the minority. hundred percent. Absolutely. Allyship is a, is a big piece. And, and that is also something, you know, we invite allies to the workshops as well because we feel that they themselves need that support of how to have those conversations. If they're going to be alongside, you know, people of color having to support that. So, um, so that, and then obviously that on the nonprofit side, our programming really focuses on helping them understand, you know, there's this idea of assimilation always, right? Everybody mm. needs to assimilate into mm. the, uh, 
into that what that culture is that that's dominant. dangerous too it's very dangerous that's that's group think i mean yeah. that's that's like the worst yeah. thing you want to get into yeah go ahead i'm sorry so it's really about how do we kind of retrain ourselves to be inviting for everyone to bring their authentic self in mm, right? i like that yeah that's good. Now, how can you show up to something and not feel like you have to code switch right if you come into an environment where you're like damn i could just be who i am i have no worries that's that's a very liberating feeling and i yeah. you know that's a place where i feel like when it comes to race and ethnicity white people don't have to worry about that yeah like that's, not, that's the norm is is their culture so exactly. they would never have to yeah. So it's explaining mm. the situations. Yeah. Man. So what, um, you mentioned a couple already, already, but I'm just curious, what are other maybe, um, common misconceptions that, uh, I guess people of color have when it comes to, um, serving on the board. I, I, I know you mentioned it's not, it's not only for, you know, a certain, certain race. The white uh, you elite. mentioned that <laughs> the, the elites. Yeah. You, 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 you mentioned that already, but I guess, are there any others that are maybe misconceptions that a lot of people just have in general that you ran across? Sure. I mean, I think, uh, you know, the board terms that you have are two to three years. I mean, so mm. you're not just sitting in a board for a year and there's a sense of, um, you should ask yourself, what's the legacy I want to leave behind on this mm. board, right? Before hmm. you transition somewhere else. Interesting. Um, I also think that, um, some of the barriers or the biggest barriers that some of these boards have are in building relationships with communities outside of their norm, right? Or partnerships with outside of their norm. Mm -hmm. So that also means that, you know, building a relationship, like we talked about, it's not just about you come to me. It has to be also about, I come to you. We meet yeah, way. We, we come together. Out. Right. Mm. And so, um, that's, that's, uh, that's something that, you know, we're, we're pushing out there. Like, how are you building relationships as a board? with other organizations, with other affinity groups, mm. um, with other community, and how are you being present there, right? Makes sense. So that means you're doing some work and learning right. and, and being a part of that community. Right. And um, what's, uh, just, so, you know, I would just tell, yeah. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, what are, I know what affinity groups are for some of our listeners uh, who may not know that, like what, can you explain what that is quickly? So affinity groups could be like the black, uh, the black chamber of commerce or, um, Hispanic association of lawyers mm -hmm. or, uh, just, uh, it could be, you know, just different membership. Those are more membership types of groups yeah. mm -hmm. that concentrate on race, ethnicity or, or type of, I don't know, it could be around a type of career yeah. as well. So professional groups fit really well under affinity groups. Yeah. yeah makes sense oh, thank you no, i was just wanting to i know some people may not be familiar with that because um i actually was i just found out about that not too long ago so i was just like yeah <laughs> but go ahead yeah no i mean i live in the state that's what i know <laughs> like before i was like what's an affinity group but, yeah. right when um, oh, i'm sorry no go ahead okay well i was just curious when did you i guess know that you were you were ready to okay I need to, like I'm I'm ready to be a part of nonprofit because I, I and I could this could be a misconception but I feel like you when you're part of nonprofit you got to be ready to 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 commit and, and you know be focused on it obviously 
So I feel like it has to be a certain period of your life when you're, you know, not focused on, you know, everything else going on with, with life. Does that, does that make sense? I don't know if I make sense. It's a switch. Way. It's definitely like, it's definitely a salary switch. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, that right. Um, like going from like, going from like corporate to you yeah. know, full on, you're, I'm all in on, on nonprofit. Like, I guess, I guess, how did you know that you were ready? And or I guess how, if, if I was, you know, if I was, you know, considering it, um, how, how do I know that I guess I'm ready to actually commit uh, full on to, to, to this organization? Sure. So, you know, I think really um, just looking back at my career now, I felt like there was always an importance that I followed for me. It may mm-hmm. be more of a value that I just always have held within me um, about uplifting the underrepresented. Mm. Um, so whether it was through my advertising experience, um, where, you know, I was trying to make sure that we were fighting stereotypes or connecting, uh, better with, through relevant ways with communities, um, or even through design thinking where it was all about the user, like bringing them first on top and what their experience is like. It's always been in that realm where, um, I wanted to always make sure that people had a voice or somehow they were being represented correctly. But, you know, I, it was always within me. And I think not until finally financially, honestly, I was more liberated to be like, mm. okay, what I've been, I've been feeling this all along, right? I've been feeling a social justice itch mm. all along. Mm. How do I really kind of move into this pool all the way? And you know, I think it was just right after IBM, I, I had to, the sabbatical was more about a soul search mm. for me of where I could take the rest of like my journey in terms of the skill sets that I have, the connections I have and the partnerships I have personally. And it felt more like, okay, what can I give back to society at this point? I've done it. Mm. I've gotten the creative director title. I went into tech. It was fun. I made tons of money and I paid off a lot of debt. I'm there. I'm good. Mm-hmm. But, um, what I realized is like, I need to now contribute back to society in some way. And it felt like the right time. It just felt like this was a time where I could go and relearn again and fall and pick myself back up. And I'm still going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be. Okay. Um, and then I also realized that, especially within you philanthropists, I mean, that kind of happened again through connections and through the right place at the right time, um, I really felt like with them, it it was a nonprofit that it just it was my experience. Like even though like board service wasn't a part of all my life, I was always feeling isolated in my leadership circles throughout corporate America. Not only mm. as through my race, but through my gender. Yeah, um, mm. you know, a woman of color in the creative scene is like very isolating. Mm. Um, I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I do. 100%. Yeah. What would I do as well? <laughs> yeah. So it just felt like, man, I mean, I, 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 the change that the new philanthropist wants to make is what, you know, even though it's not, it's about board service. It was like, I know this, I know what it feels like to be in this exact position. And I know that, and I wish I would have had some training on how to have that bigger discussion on, why does this have to happen this way? Why are we not changing this in our culture? Mm. So to me, you know, it's been, it's almost been this reflection of, you know, throughout my leadership circles and even in in general, I never got to opt out. I had to be a woman that was a Latina woman 
doing this. And that was my identity that yeah. other people taught me to be. And that was who I was. And I had to deal with a lot of barriers with that. Yeah. Um, but others get to opt out. I mean, when I say others, is white people get to opt out all the time, right? Right. Hmm. So this was a place where I think my heart was like, yep, this is it. Not only am I going to get to learn so much, um, and it's going to be the rich, deep learning that I've kind of sought, but it's also been along the same line of what I've been doing. And I can bring all these skill sets that I, you know, definitely kind of brought on if I would have started out nonprofit. Yeah. Do you so, feel, I got a question, Rue. Do you okay. feel like, and I, I kind of want to go back to this because I think it's very important. Um, when you made that transition, you mentioned, you know, I, I heard the word debt a couple of times. Do you feel the lack of that burden allowed you to kind of explore your, mm. your, you know, your true interest, you know, because um, you're, you're able to become your true self without that baggage. And the reason why I asked that question is because I, I'm always just looking at the system and how it works mm -hmm. and how it, you know, it, it keeps people in a certain place and, you know, keeps I, them working. I know debt is one of those big, you know, constructs that keep people just having to work and not actually um, find find their passion. Like, I mean, do you realize like that is probably the bigger thing or is that just, you know, a couple of different things like, oh, I got this taken care of. I've I've uh, arrived to a certain point within my career and I can do this. Or do you think that was, you know, a, a bigger no, I, uh, catalyst for that I'm transition? Yeah. I'm a hundred percent with the debt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's like, it's, it's one of those things that you don't have the freedom to think of what, even going on a sabbatical per mm -hmm. se, mm -hmm. taking time off from doing any work, and being able to be like, what do I want to do now? And how will I get there is an opportunity that no one, I mean, very few people ever get to do. It's a privilege mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. And it's a privilege that for sure I had to work to get, like it wasn't ever easy, mm -hmm. but itself of just being able to experience that is, is amazing to me. Right. Um, so I don't think we, because of debt, we don't have that freedom to just understand, just sit there and be with yourself of how do you want to plan out next? Mm. How what do you want to arrive to next? What, I mean, I don't think people even have, most people don't have that conversation in themselves of like, how do I contribute to society right now? Mm. Do that. Yeah, now we're trying to worry about like paying off bills and especially now with COVID, right? Like yeah. it's just not a reality. Um, but I, I definitely have been fortunate enough, I think in just making the right moves at the right time sometimes where it's brought me to a place that I was able to do that. And I think if we turn society to kind of give space for that a little more, man, I mean, can you just imagine the work we would all be doing, right? Yeah. Mm. yeah. We're not so focused on, on paying, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right. We, we really focus on who we can become and who we can serve. Yeah. That's big. That's big. Um, a quick question I, I had, it was kind of backing things up to what you were mentioning before. Um, when did you know, uh, or I guess, where did it come from? You kind of, you kind of mentioned that you, you wanted to be kind of like the voice of the, of the unheard and, and I, and I guess really um, be there for, 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 I guess, and serve in that kind of way. Like, I guess, where did that come from? Sure. Well, because I, I know it's more, it's probably more of a personal question, but like, just, <laughs> I, I just like, I heard that. I'm really kind of curious. It's a good about question. It. It's a good question for sure. 
um, you know, coming to this country not knowing the language was a barrier for me right away. And I recognize that at five years old because um, as I came, I wasn't able to go to the school where I was supposed to go because I didn't have a bilingual teacher. So I had to take a bus 45 minutes out to meet that teacher mm -hmm. there at that school and be able to learn English quickly. So just in terms of, of understanding that that was already a differentiator for me, was mm. food, right? And I didn't have the words or the understanding of, of the impact at that to time. To describe it. Right, or the impact. But I knew you know you're different. When you're a kid, you know you're different. Like, oh, I'm different. I don't get to just go down the street like most of the kids in my neighborhood. I have to go, you know, somewhere else. And then just kind of in growing up in Texas and Austin specifically, my mother had a, a thick accent and that was something that I saw her get discriminated against all the time, all the time. And it, it just really would hurt me and piss me off and just automatically just put me in a position of like, I'm never going to let that happen. I, I have mm. to find a way to like, you know, like, keep this from happening all the time. So my mother was, you know, an amazing woman who always stood up for herself. She didn't take it, but still I, it hurts, right? It has to hurt right. in a way that you can't be treated the same because of an accent. Mm. So yeah, I yeah. definitely think that's like what really, you know, in a sense woke me up to like, uh-uh, there's no way I can just continue in my life in this direction and just ignore this. Right, especially if it's it's like always a persistent factor of you're gonna be different in some way just because of your race or ethnicity. Right, right. So you have to be. You, that makes sense. So you you felt like it was you felt bound to actually okay. I need to stand up for for this because I mean yeah. we can't we can't can't control it. Just like you mentioned earlier, like you realized at some point that you were um, you were Latin woman and you couldn't. You couldn't do anything about it. It's like, okay, this is who I am. Like, I'm a black well, man. I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And I mean, it's come up. Like, it's not like it just happened to me then when I was young. It, this has been throughout my whole life. Mm. Uh, um, you know, you, there's people that go throughout life that are people of color have been like, I've never experienced racism. And um, I have a hard time believing that, but sure. Okay. <laughs> um, but I do feel like because I was so understanding of how different I was, I was more in tune with it throughout my life. Mm. And I was more in tune to understanding that feeling of not being, of, of being exotic or, mm. <laughs> or being <laughs> just not like, uh, you know, the person that, um, that you would treat differently. So, and even mm. most recently, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this last time we talked, like I own a condo on sixth street and I was coming down in my spandex and t-shirt cap this was what, two, three years ago, May 4, and a white woman was coming off the elevator and said, do you clean the, do you clean the condos in this building? Yeah. Like, mm. gee, like you know, like mm. things haven't changed that much, yeah. like mm. haven't honestly. And so, um, and just for yeah. anybody who is listening, we do have one listener who is in the Netherlands. Uh, <laughs> Sixth street, Sixth street condo is not, you know, just, it, you don't just, afford that. I mean, it takes a certain kind of money to afford that right. just for context. So, right. um, the fact that, you know, you live in that, in that place and, uh, you're going to you know, probably go work out, handle your day. And somebody's like, do you work here or you're cleaner here? That's, I mean, that's BS. And I, I think we right. all have, have had those experiences and 
it's I don't know, man. They it's hard to like walk away from that and right. just keep going. And sometimes I wonder you just forget about it. You yeah, can't just forget about that. I wonder like if you know, mostly white people who ask those questions, I mean, you just talk it up to ignorance. Like, do they even understand what they're asking? Like they just assume like because you are a person of this color or this ethnicity, like you just have to be the cleaner. Like, you know, why can't you be the person who actually owns the building? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Right. That, I mean, yeah. that just goes back to like your racial literacy from when you were a child. Right. Yeah. You know? like, so, yeah. Um, and sorry to cut you off. Were you going to say more? No, uh, I mean, it's just an upbringing upbringing. Like I always think to myself, like, well, first I make sure I educate the person who, whoever comes to me with those things. But then it's also, you have to understand that um, there was a time where I feel like being colorblind was how you dealt with race. Mm-hmm. And it just, it definitely harmed us way more mm-hmm. than we could have ever understood at the moment. Like being colorblind or saying the whole like color doesn't matter. You know, I see everyone the same that itself that mentality i think it was maybe like after the run i don't know if it was the reagan era or not mm-hmm. um, but that mentality was was very harmful in our society right yeah as um color was always there yeah. and, and color was blatantly there in how you treated color mm-hmm. right yeah. um, whether it was unconscious bias or you know just you blatantly like that so you know our structures um our, I would say our organization, our institutional structures, they all see color all the time. Mm-hmm. So you that is true. <laughs> yeah. That is they very color true. All the time through, through how they like do laws, through how things are, are system, systemically built. Color has been there all the time. So mm-hmm. raising your kids saying that everybody looks the same or, you, you know, color's not there. It's just a huge mistake in my I 100% agree. Um, so we're, we're coming up on time and I have one last question we can, you know, kind of close out and maybe share where people can find you. But, um, just of the things that we talked about and you mentioned, uh, DEI diversity, equity, inclusion, correct. Um, what does that not necessarily, what does that mean or what does that mean for you or what, not the definition of that and what it means, but more or less like, what does that look like to you, you know, mm. as a woman in the Latinx space? Um, what does that look like for you? I think for me, um, it's almost the undeniable presence of difference, mm. right? Like it's a place where uh, it's a safe place where you feel like, you can show up and be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place where everyone gets the right resources and tools that they personally need to thrive mm-hmm. in whatever they do. Um, it's a place where you're able to make room for, even if it means that everyone is of the same culture, but there's one person out, you still make the changes needed to make everyone feel accepted. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it, it's very much i feel like what we grew up with as people of color within our own communities right yeah that that almost that that place where you're going to lift everybody up no matter what you have to do 
Yeah. Right. Um, right. That you're going to welcome everyone's family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whether you're literally a bloodline or not, you're a family. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know, no matter um, no matter the differences that you have, like you're part of that, you're part of that tribe. Right. So. I think the reason that I'm in this position and I, I live for this is because I know what it feels like to be accepted, to be within the DI realm, within my own family, community, circle of friends. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure everyone else gets that, especially in places of power. Yeah. Mm. I like that a lot. That kind of, um, it's a similar theme to you know what Ru and I have talked about before, just, you know, as you kind of come up and you're climbing, you, know, you you lift other ups, other people up, up like up. you, and pull mm-hmm. them up as you're climbing. So definitely, that is totally relatable content. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, for um, sure. Well, Paulina, we certainly appreciate you taking the time and just kind of educating us on uh, what you do and your you know your views within um, the you know nonprofit space. Um, this has definitely been a treat. I've learned from it. Um, I've learned a lot. <laughs> hopefully our, um, listeners maybe got something out of it, got some value out of it. Um, do you, you know, are you on the social medias? Do you want to share? You could show yeah. your personal stuff. It could be work, whatever website, um, where could people find you or find so, more about you? Yeah. So the new philanthropists, we our, our website is, uh, tmpaustin.org. Um, we are on the Instagrams. Okay. He just started that. So follow us, please. (laughs) But he just, it's the new philanthropist and you can find us on Facebook as well. And on Twitter. Um, I have closing, I have some closing thoughts for sure. For everybody listening, you know, if you find yourself in an organization or even in just, um, I don't know, a place of work where you're like, man, how do I know that this is like a big issue? And you probably will already know, but um, I would always ask myself, who's thriving here? Mm-hmm. Who, who is, who has the most accessibility or has the most access and who benefits the most? Mm-hmm. And if all those people come from the same race or, or culture, they probably have a problem. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And wow. then in addition, I would just say like, it's, it's a hard journey as a person of color to kind of navigate through these spaces, right? It's, exactly. it's not a welcoming experience. So my best advice as well is to find a safe space with community, with people that are going through the same thing as you and talk about it. You know, you have to find a place where you're honestly able to, to validate your concerns because mm. some still need that. That's we huge. We, for some reason, we still need to validate how we feel, but we right. do. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and also a place where you're able to talk about following your instincts. There's a lot of instincts. I think people of color have been socialized to, to stay quiet, to not follow their instincts, that their ideas are not better, that they're not, you know, in a place to share them. Follow your instincts, follow your gut, um, because that's how we're really going to like show up and change. We got to show up at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. No, I like that. That's good. Thank you, Paulina. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you Paulina. So excited for you. <laughs> no, I, we we I, I do, and I know Chris does as well. So we, we appreciate you um, taking some time out uh, with us today. This has been awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was I was fired up fired up about doing that after the first conversation we had, um, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be this is gonna be nice. Okay, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, no, I really, really appreciate it again. And I um, hope, uh, hope, hope you as well have uh, maybe this has been therapeutic for you uh, and this helped you out. But um, until, until we meet again, until next time. Let me again, part two. We'll do a part two one day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That'll be that'll be good. That'll be good. Might, I like that idea. We might need to do a, kind of a step-by-step, -step, just, you know, going through yeah. the process. Like, because right. I'm, I'm, I'm very much interested. I've, I've participated on a, call it a uh, affinity group uh, with the Austin American or the Black uh, African American Chamber of Commerce a long time ago. And I was on a uh, committee there, which was very... Uh, it was good. It was a good place, good space, um, and it kind of harkens. I didn't even know about that. Yeah, I, 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 I was in the organization as well. So I was part of the committee for about three years. Yeah, it, definitely a good experience, and it's good to. Yeah. Um, you know, I've come from a place where, and it, I'm still recording, but we we could possibly cut this out or not, nonetheless. <laughs> um, but I came from a space working in you know commercial construction management, which is very white male mm -hmm. um it was nice to go and, and work alongside people who are professionals and look like me so um i am definitely all for um you know trying to find those essentially you know if you're talking about it in church terms it's like a small group you know you're <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly super important super important no that's I great so. well if you're if you're looking to do board service and you want to join us Go to our website, like I mentioned, www.tmpaustin.org, mm -hmm. and there'll be a section there that says if you're interested in serving on a board, just sign up through us, um, and we'll definitely, you know, match you and 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 give you the support and the resources you need to make that experience as positive as possible at this time. Yeah. So. That's yeah. awesome. 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 Well, well, you heard that, people. Um, go and check it out. It's going to be www. TNP and that is Tango um, November Papa dot com and Austin dot org I'm sorry Austin dot org we'll put it in the show yes. notes yeah we'll put it in the show show notes <laughs> like, I don't know where that's gonna take you so right <laughs> so <laughs> right right but right, um, guys, but yeah, yeah. So again Paulina we we appreciate so, you really do we I appreciate you guys 100 percent so all right. Bye. Bye, y'all. Peace. Thanks for listening to Levels, the podcast. Hey, Rue. Where can they find us, man? People can find us on Facebook.com slash levels.podcast. And that's going to be LVLS.podcast. Or Instagram at levels underscore podcast. And that is LVLS underscore podcast. Follow, like, share you can also shoot us an email at levels.podcast at gmail.com it's lbls.podcast at gmail.com